Welcome to Grief Recovery Now podcast. I'm your host, Charlene Gorzella, your grief recovery specialist. This podcast is being produced just for you, someone who has been challenged and heartbroken over a significant and devastating loss, death, divorce, sudden life change, or the many other ways we experience grief. You will be taken on a conversational journey with me and some special guests who have come out the other side of grief and committed to small, powerful, and courageous steps that made all the difference in their lives for the better. I want to instill in you on what is possible, that joy, hope, peace, and happiness is closer than you think. While your life is forever changed, you can have a beautiful new outlook on your relationships and loss with a sense of completion that goes deep in your soul. Ready, set, now. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. This is Charlene Gorzella, your host for Grief Recovery Now podcast. So very happy you're here today and very grateful that you showed up today listening to the Grief Recovery Now podcast. This is my commitment to you. I am here for you. Our guests are here for you. I believe in the peer-to-peer model. Well, I'll have your peers on, people have experienced loss. And let's face it, we have all experienced life and death in some way or another. Even if you're young listening to this and you haven't had a significant parent or friend or relative pass away, we see it in movies all the time. People getting killed, worlds destroyed. Don't think that that will not affect you. And grief is just not about death. It's about loss, significant changes in your life, significant behaviors you change. All of a sudden, something changes. You get fired from a job. You're going through a divorce. Even nowadays with dating, people are getting ghosted. I know when I was on the dating scene, I'd have great conversations with people. We have three, four good conversations. We shared on the heart level. And all of a sudden, that was it. I've never seen them again. That hurt my heart. And every little crack in the heart means something. And my goal is to educate people about grief and grief recovery. There's some impacts us so much that we have filters that we walk through in our lives that affect every area of our life. It could affect our relationships with family, with husbands, wives, friends, jobs, our secondary relationships, how we view the world. It is so cunning and baffling at times. And I want to educate people that you can have a life beyond your wildest dreams. And to get it, let's look at some unresolved issues, some incomplete issues, some filters, some myths we may have gone through, you know, taught at an early age. Let's say your father died and your mother's crying in one room and you're feeling like you're crying in another room and don't never experienced death before. You want to go talk to her and comfort her, but someone tells you, let her be alone. That changes you forever. All of a sudden, you think you have to be alone. You have to let let others alone. While we have our times of being alone, don't dive into the isolation. It's not good. There's a fine line between isolating, hampering our emotions, not sharing it with with others. I believe grief shared is cut in half. And we have all experienced it. But we all have had our own experiences with it. Everyone is unique. And I mean everyone. So honor that. You don't have to be like so-and-so. Be your own self. Some people are so numb, they're not crying or they're not feeling, but then some people just feel 
to the depths of their being. There's no right or wrong to grief. My goal is help you get to the grief recovery part of grief and loss and changes and trauma, PTSD. So we're here for you. What I want to talk about very quickly, and then we're going to get on to our guest. And this, what I'm talking about, it's our it's our segment called Off the Cuff with Charlene. It's a short segment, but I thought I'd talk to you about how do we take care of ourselves when loved ones are going through a transition, even when they're going through illness that could be close to death or so terrifying, you're so afraid of what's going to happen at the moment and the future, the mixed emotions that go through all of that. And there is a saying, some philosophy from a Vietnamese mystic. His name is Thich Nhat Hanh. And he says, if we do not know how to take care of ourselves and to love ourselves, we cannot take care of the people we love. Loving oneself is the foundation for loving another person. So as they say in the airport, put your mask on first. Take care of yourself in honor of them. If you have no wherewithal that you're doing it for yourself, do it for your loved one. And please learn how to take care of yourself for you. But sometimes you have to start because you want to do it for someone else. But please start practicing doing it for yourself and really paying attention with your feeling in the heart. Okay? All right. So now let's get on to our guest, Christine Rooney. She is such a bright light. I met her at a Tony Robbins event. We had thousands and thousands of people on Zoom from all over the world. And she was one of the people who talked. And so I saw her on our TV screen and I just appreciated how authentic she was and vulnerable she was talking to Tony Robbins. And so I am going to tell you a little bit about her and then she'll come on. So Christine Rooney was blessed to have been there lovingly holding the hands of her grandmother. Then two years later, her father. And then two years after that, her mother, as they took their final breath from life to death. These experiences and many that followed gifted her new awareness and opportunities to grow in her understanding of the dying process. Her passion grew stronger and stronger as she knew there was another way to transition end of life where there wasn't the pain, fear, and anxiety, but only comfort, calmness, and ease. She discovered how to fill the gap between what Western medicine had to offer and the ease of transitioning. She does this through her three steps to transition with ease program, where she lovingly infuses all of her healing modalities and nursing background into a succinct package that really makes it a sacred journey. So please help me welcome Christine Rooney. Yay. So happy you're here today. And it's her first podcast. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) I feel so honored to be here, Charlene, with you. And um, I'm so grateful for our connection. So thank you for inviting me to do this podcast and to spread the word. Now, I said a little bit about your background and the deaths you've been through personally, because we're going to talk personally and professionally. How did you get to this place in your life where you're helping people transition from life, death, and wherever someone goes? And so we're going to start first, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like today, personally, and then we'll get into the professionally. So tell us about it. 
All right. Well, I first started off as a pediatric nurse. So that area really gifted me working with the family unit. It wasn't just the child. It was the whole family that you were dealing with. And so that really has set a foundation for me in, in, again, when somebody's transitioning it, there's often a family unit involved. And so being able to take all those skills that I learned in that nursing aspect and being able to apply it with what I'm doing now with supporting people at the end of life. It started with my grandmother. You know, I was so blessed, like you, you mentioned in the introduction, to, to be alone with her when she passed. And this was a really special, I mean, it was my first experience ever with death and I had no clue what to expect. And it was just so special to me because my grandmother's greatest fear was to die alone. And, you know, she used to call me her rosebud and she, you know, that was her nickname for me. And we had quite a close relationship. I didn't have quite as close with my parents. My grandmother was that special one who was you know, growing up, she she was just that pure love. There wasn't always the telling me what to do or this or that. She just was pure love. And so we had a really special connection. And, you know, and that's why it's so special for me to be able to have been there, to really be there to alleviate that greatest fear that she had of dying alone. And in that experience, what what I learned, because I'd never experienced death before, is she took her final breath and it was just beautiful. You know, she had a little tear leading up to it. She was on medication. She wasn't able to speak and she'd been really not present. And about 20 minutes before she passed, she opened her eyes and, and I was just giving her permission to go and be with my granddad. He was the love of her life. And it was giving her permission to pass. And she just had a little tear that came down her eyes. And I knew that she understood. She wasn't in a place to be able to speak, but there was that recognition. So I knew she was, she was present. She was hearing me. And then she just gently let go. And as I was there, just encouraging her, it's okay. I'm here with you. And then after she took that final breath, which I thought was, you know, her final breath, I started to think, oh, well, now what do I do, right? Do I call out for the, the nurses or what? And then I heard another breath. And I was just like, well, did she actually pass or, or what's going on? And what I've come to realize and learn is that after somebody takes their last breath, they often will have a little excess release of air that's just in the lungs. So she had passed and then it was just the body's gentle way of releasing that excess air that's in the lungs. So so that was kind of my first experience with death. And then two years later, again, my dad, you know, he had a sudden heart attack playing basketball and, and was taken to ICU. And this was a little different experience. My grandma's was in a nursing home. My dad was in a hospital. So I got to see that hospital setting and what that was like. And it was, you know, again, I was, I was sort of in the family unit. I was the one chosen and it just you know, everything came quite naturally to me. I wanted to be at the bedside. And so my dad was taken off life support. And again, just talking him through those moments, even though there's so much research out there in literature about when somebody is in a coma or not, that they can still hear, like hearing is the last thing to go. And so I was just letting him know that, that I would take care of mom and so that he could you know, be calm as he transitioned. And so that was, that was sort of my experience with my dad. And then 
two years later, my mom. And, you know, it was quite interesting with my mom's journey. She used to say after my dad passed, oh, this stinks, this stinks. I thought I'd have another 10 years with dad. And it was, you know, she ended up getting cancer in her nose. And, and really? Was, yeah, yeah. I found that quite fascinating. And it was a really, really rare type of cancer. And she went blind in one eye. And anyway, it was sort of this gift. She gifted it. It was about a year, you know, doing the the chemo radiation. And she lived between my brother's home and mine. And, and it was really a gift to do some healing between my mom and I in terms of our journey together. And so I'm really grateful for that and being able to just support her along the way. There were some emotions that came up during that time too. My mom was quite a strong-willed, beautiful being. And sometimes in that, it was really nice to be able to be her sounding board and to support her with some of her her desires. She they owned a place down in the US and and it was really near the end stage. And she's like, oh, I just want to go down there. And the reality of it was that it wouldn't necessarily be that realistic to go down there and in, in the just where she was in in those moments. So being able to be that gentle sounding board for her and give her supports with that and help her create that calmness with being where she lived. By then she had moved, um, my mom did go into hospital care. So again, I was able to experience what that environment's like. And then she moved into hospice and being able to experience that as well. And what I found, you know, particularly with my mom, because there was a little more time in in, in that journey with passing, is I just wanted to be her daughter. I just wanted to, you know, be her grieving daughter. And what I found, especially in that in the hospital setting, was that I really had it was like being forcibly having to come out of that daughter role and into my nursing therapist role. Like I really had to become her advocate. And I'm so grateful that I was able to be there at her bedside as much as possible to really to advocate for her. And, and in this experience, this is really where I started to see that gap in Western medicine and started to see where can I fill in that gap and use the skills and and my gifts that I that I have? And that's really where it sort of set in motion for this program that I have now. It began to sort of see where she was at each day and, and begin to meet her where she was at. And so I started to do things like massage or reflexology, doing some lymph drainage to help support. Like it was really hard to see her in pain and discomfort. And at first I felt helpless. And then it was just like, what can I do? What can I do? Like there was just sort of this inner push or inner, just sort of guiding me along like, Oh, try this, try this, do this, do this. And, and it was from that, that I started to see, Oh my goodness. Like, you know, instead of having to bump up her opioids and, you know, and then she wouldn't necessarily be quite as present with us. I was able to do some reflexology and her breathing would ease the the tension in her body was eased often she would actually fall asleep before the onset of, of the medication took place so you know so I just kept learning and discovering how I could support my mom in this in the in her journey and to really create that calmness because with yes. calmness comes that that ease of transitioning so yes one of our podcasts was on expected death 
Right. And your mother, well, let's backtrack for a minute. And I want to hear more about your profession and what your soul's purpose, one of them anyway. Yes. Now, your grandmother was, she was at the end of her life, so she couldn't communicate that much. Do you feel like with your grandmother, your relationship you may have, you've had with her, did you have any shoulda, coulda, wouldas or with your dad or your mom? I know your mother, sometimes you said she was strong-willed. I'm sure it wasn't always, I'm strong-willed. I'm sure I'm not always the most pleasant. <laughs> I've learned to be, not that I was rough, but you know, you have your way and death in this unexpected death. We talk about like, you were there three times at the end and on the expected death. What I talked about was, cause it was a solo episode was, did you rush around? Did you learn from each death? Like they say, take a pause. Don't, you don't need to call someone right away. Make a cup of tea, put some, tea, you know, hot water on and just be. Yes. Can you talk about the difference? You said your dad, like, what do I do next? Or your grandmother. Talk about that. Yeah. And was there anything like, did you get to tell them about any forgiveness you wanted to give them, especially when they're out? Forgiveness is hard to say to people, but it's more like if you had to up. Uh, in front of them. Sometimes it's nice to write in our program, grief recovery method. Part of it is like you write down some things about what you forgive them for. You don't necessarily don't tell the person that if they're still alive. Yes. And then the apologies, the apologies, of course, share with them. And then any significant events or moments that you had with them to share. Did you practice any of that or share any of that with being on the deathbed? Do you know, that is such a great question. And a lot of it I actually have learned since my mom passed. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, with my grandmother, there wasn't, we kind of had that close all along. So there really wasn't, you know, it was just ease with that. There was a lot of, of loving. My dad's, it, it's interesting you bring up that point. In my experience, there is a difference between sort of a sudden death and, you know, death where you have a little more time. And with my dad, in terms of regrets, yeah, probably in terms of, I think I would have been a little more due diligent and encouraging to get to know him. Both my parents tended to have a little bit of a walled heart just with their upbringings. Like, you know, I totally can appreciate where they have come from and all of that. I think I would have explored differently to get to know them a little deeper than just sort of them as my parents. And that's, yeah, there were times where I would, you know, attempt to create that more with my mom, but there was a resistance and just, I've, I've come to understand that. And, and that was just her way of kind of keeping her own emotions safe. She grew up in the war, basically her life was built on survival. And again, she was seven years old. And what used to happen was the sirens would, would go off. She lived in Germany at the time. The sirens would go off and they they were taught to come out of their homes and rush into the woods. And on this one particular occasion, because they lived near the train stations, train stations, so they were sort of trying to bomb the train station. And a bomb went away and hit their home. And so my grandmother's uh, or my mom, I, I, the whole place sort of collapsed on them. Her brother pulled her out. And she never saw her mom again. That was, her mom did get rushed to the hospital, but that was sort of her experience. And, you know, my understanding now is that that was really 
really a, a traumatic, painful experience for her and that she just didn't really want to open her heart up again to that level to potentially be hurt like that again. So I, I truly understand my mom now. I didn't always in, in that time period. And I've come to appreciate that she loved how she could and in the best way that she was able to. And so, you know, since then, I've come to forgive her. It was interesting in terms of emotions. It, it took a while with that. During her transitioning, I was there supporting and being all of what I could to create that calmness and ease for her. And it was really kind of many years later that I realized, oh, I have some unresolved anger <laughs> towards my mom. And because I internalized it, that I wasn't lovable. So that's kind of also created a bit in my journey that, well, if my mom can't love me, you know, there must be something wrong with me. So I spent a lot of my life thinking there was something wrong with me. And it was interesting because I held on to this anger. And part of it eventually came where one of my clients gifted me with some shortbread cookies at Christmas time. And I, and I took a bite and it was like this instant it tastes exactly like my mom's. And it was, this was sort of part, this was a healing moment for me in terms of that forgiveness and just switching my relationship or how I felt about my mom, even though she passed grief and is, as you know, not, not just linear, it can come and go and all of that in different times. And, and so I had this beautiful experience where I just suddenly acknowledged all the amazing things my mom did for me. She took time out of her day to make these shortbread cookies that she know, knew that I loved and started to just in my mind, allow myself to remember all the amazing things that she had done for me and, and expressed her love in a way that she was able to. And so, you know, I had tears bawling and crying and, and I was just so grateful for that moment. I called my client and thanked her so much for for what she gifted me through those cookies. And so again, and you you brought up grief, grief can hit at any time and there's no, it's unique for each individual. And so that's a little bit about sort of my experience with, with the different people in my life and, and how that impacted me. So. Yeah. And you know what? It's like, we talk about the apologies or forgiveness, apologies and significant events. Because the person could be, even especially in trauma and abuse and, oh my God, my heart, my heart goes out to everyone. Yes. Through the life happenings that turned us inside out and right side up and change us hopefully for the better. And that's where I come in is to how do we get it where you come from the unresolved to resolve, the incomplete to complete. And these cookies, how beautiful. But then you were able to remember some significant events. It was like a little gift from the universe and just saying, okay, this is going to be part of your healing. Yes. And it's so nice that you recognize that, you know, through taste, smell, hearing, feeling, I want people to be awake for it. Yeah. And, and you can guide through it. I know myself losing my parents and the relationships I've had with my parents I was walking around in a filter because of it. And I don't know how it manifested for you. My dad died when I was 16 very quickly, but it affected my relationships. Their marriage affected my filter relationships because they didn't have necessarily a, a marriage that I wanted to have, yeah. right? 
and then losing him quicker. I never got to talk to him. What happened? What are you about to get us understanding? I walked around in this filter. And so I've had on and off relationships. Why can't I have a relationship that stands the test of time? And so once I started doing the grief recovery work and some other work, because you could use a lot of modalities, but that was the best thing to do grief recovery work. And especially your work that you do in the hospice end of life. Are you considered a hospice nurse? How, what would you call yourself? An end of life doula? A devoted healthcare, uh, devoted hospice care practitioner is okay. Really, yeah. So, you know, I have my nursing background that I'm bringing to it, but I'm not so much doing the bedside care, like that nursing aspect. It's mm-hmm. sort of taking that part and all I learned. And it's really more through the massage, the energy work that I do to create that calmness. And, and it may start out that I'm saying doing some reflexology. For those of you who aren't familiar with reflexology, it's doing pressure points to the hands or feet just to open up the flow of energy within the body to create more calmness, to create more relaxation and ease, to support the, the organs in the body. You know, I might be doing reflexology on, on somebody's foot and they start telling me their life story. There's so many magical opportunities that through the loving touch that I do, you know, I might be doing massage or, or gentle lymphatic drainage work or, and it's just through that touch and and that connection that, that they may again, begin to talk about some of their regrets or some guilt or, and all of those releases help to create that calmness, right? Oh, that's great. And you, did it affect your relationships the relationship with your mother, and I don't know what kind of marriage they had, and I don't want to get into your personal visit. Well, I do want to get into your personal, but whatever <laughs> you want to share. Um, did it affect relationships? Because I know you were talking to your, about your mom. Oh, she's this. She was a survivor of this and that. And you got into your intellectual. And I'm so happy you got into your heart, yes. which yeah. anger sometimes is there. And you're, you know, the anger that's come up because you're a loving person. You want us, you seek to understand, but sometimes it's like, I'm not happy. I'm not happy with the relationship. I remember blaming my parents that I couldn't have a relationship. Yeah. Just the phases that you go to. I don't want to say phases, but the experiences you go through. Totally. Talk about that and doing the reflexology and how it touches things and then opens your heart. Yes. And I'm so glad you you brought that up as well. A big part of my, (laughs) me as a being is I've always searched to understand myself better. I remember my mom even, why are you always trying to understand yourself better? Right. And again, I can appreciate where she was coming from because in, in the war and her experiences, it's like you stuffed to survive. So that was role model to me. You, you buried your feelings inside, you stuffed and, and just kind of carried on. So I did have a bit of that in terms of role modeling and learning. And it's really, I, I just kept seeking and seeking. And my whole belief system is the more I can understand and release my own stuff, the greater of service I can be to others. And that is my purpose in, in this you know, being here is to serve people to, and my, my passion is in supporting people with transitioning end of life. So what I I really worked on is opening my heart space. And I'm so grateful you brought that up because yes, my mom was closed. (laughs) My dad was closed. And so, but I've chosen to 
I watched a Brene Brown. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her, but just she talked about, she saw it has a TED Talk and is on Netflix. And she talked and about- Brene Brown. Brene Brown. B-R-E-N-E. Yes. I'll say it again. Brene Brown, B-R-E-N-E Brown. Please listen to her. Look her look her up. Get her TED Talk. It's beautiful. Yes. We have people all over the world. So I just want to make sure if they didn't know that they could, if they want to look it up, her up to beautiful. do that. So beautiful. So, you know, she was quite an inspiration for me in terms of just again that calling in my heart, like, yes, this is what I I desire to be is to be open-hearted, to be vulnerable. And you know, you mentioned seeing me on on uh, Tony Robbins, and that was me opening up, and that was that was kind of a really big healing moment for me was to just be me and be completely vulnerable to be seen, and so it's in doing all of that inner work that has taken me to sort of choosing beyond what my family role model to me. Can I tell you, as can I share something you said or what I got of what you said? And it's personal. You talked about how you felt lonely. Yes. And you felt alone. And yeah. the outpouring of love. <laughs> you got all these hits on Facebook. I don't know if you were on Instagram or whatever. I had thousands of people within literally 30 minutes um, try to connect, like ask to connect with me. It was like, wow. <laughs> Wasn't that beautiful? And the reason why I brought that up is not to out you and talk about your vulnerability, which this is what this program is all about. It's the nitty gritty of the heart yep. and experiences, experiencing our strength and hope and everything that goes with that. And if you're out there and you feel like you can't share this unique nook and cranny you think no one else has, someone can, I don't want to say either relate, which they can. But sometimes people are very caring. They could be just be there. And in the grief recovery method, we talk about be a heart with ears, no judgment. You just are where you are. There's not a good or bad. You just are. And it's just is. So be in your isness and come from non-judgment for yourself, but share with someone as scared. Your heart will be pumping. You just don't know what to say. And if you pick up the phone, the thousand pound cell phone or whatever you're using, just say hello. And can you just listen for a moment? And sometimes if they're family members and you're talking about your husband or your mother, your father or sisters or brothers, sometimes they're not the right person to talk to because they have a different experience. So when I do my work, I don't have family members share in the groups you know, we separate them because I know with my sisters, I had a different childhood in some ways than they did. So be safe with either a stranger, a professional, but I love the peer-to-peer model and, you know, call me, call Christine and other people you can trust. I will have Christine's, all her info on the notes on our website and on the podcast. And of course you have my information too on the podcast. So any, why don't you give some tips on, wait, before I say that, I am not linear, everyone. <laughs> so my podcast is not that linear. So Christine, can you talk about your, one of your clients or two clients, one that was a beautiful transition maybe, and then one that was very frenetic where the, and about the family or anything that comes to mind that you think would help and yeah. really give the nitty gritty of it. 
the fear, yeah. the pain, the panic, the estrangement and all that kind of stuff. Can you think of one for us? Yeah. Yes, there was. Um, I I'll, won't necessarily go into names and stuff, but there yes. was, there was one, again, it was a quick sort of experience. So that, that unexpected and they were still alive, but they were intubated and, and those sorts of things. And it was just so interesting to observe, like people sort of have that belief. Well, if they, if they're sort of comatose or not fully present, therefore they can't hear. <laughs> and it was, it was really about money, right? They were, and they were bickering in front of the bedside, you know, at the bedside and, and just sort of not realizing the impact, the energy through their words, through their, the emotions that they were releasing, like we're all energetic beings and, and words are energy. And, and so it was just what I really invite people, you know, if they find themselves in this situation is to really think about the energy of the room. When some, the calmer somebody is, that includes the energy in the room, the easier it is for them to transition. So this family was, you know, creating a lot of tension in the room, a lot of, and even though they think their loved one may not be hearing them, often what happens is, is the, the loved one's like, I can't leave yet. I can't leave yet. There's too much, you know, I need to still be here. Even though their body is so ready to release and let go, it creates this inner pull. And so, you know, and that is part of my job, you know, and I'm willing to step in and be that. For me, in the work that I do, my priority is the person who's transitioning and will support the family and all that. But and in the end, it's about creating what's required for that person to create that calmness and ease who's transitioning. Gently ask people to come outside and we'll have sort of a, a discussion and I'll meet them wherever they're at. Every every interaction that I have is unique, right? But so it's just sort of what does this family need to hear in this moment or what do these two people need to hear and giving them some tips, right? Giving Because often people feel out of control, right? And their survival mind is kicking in, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so often people are, they just want to avoid pain right? They want to avoid pain. So they're making decisions through this filter of how to avoid pain. And sometimes when they're feeling out of control, things can get more heated or just because there's a lot more emotion, they're trying to avoid this pain at all costs. So they start to blame their siblings versus just opening up the dialogue to sort of focus on their loved one. And and so just having dialogues around that, supporting them with that And so again, just by having that in that case, it was, I I gently brought them out. They were like, they had no idea what they, they just assumed that their, their loved one couldn't hear them. And so they sort of switched the tone when they went into the room and I gave them some tools and techniques, you know, before they entered the room, sort of letting go of everything they're bringing. Um, Because often it's a time of overwhelm for families, right? They're feel like they're being split in two, like they they need to be here and do this with their home life, plus be with their loved one. And almost like there needs to be two of them. I know I really felt that during my experience, like I almost felt like there needed to be two of me. And so it's kind of leaving at the door before they enter all the stuff, all the to-do lists, all the overwhelm the best they can. And when they enter, just entering in with the intent of being in the moment with their loved one. Right. And part of my program, too, like when I mentioned about reflexology and stuff, it's 
I, I teach through through the program that I offer. There's you know demonstrated for them points that they can do specifically to help their loved one, either with pain or anxiety or or sleep. And it really, in this family's case, it gave them an opportunity to do a little bit of switching and because there was some tension as well between their their loved one who's passing and the family. So it was kind of the whole family unit was was tense. And you know, just by showing them some reflexology points, it helped them to feel more in control of a situation that really they they don't have a lot of control in, right? This is, but it it helped them to have a sense of control and to have some connection with their loved one. You know, by being in the moment, focusing in on on the specific points to the the feet, there was a connection, even though no words were spoken, and it really shifted just kind of the energy and. The, the person did actually transition within a few days of that. So that, that's one, one example. Another example where it was more ease, it was a mom and a daughter and, and it was an only child. And just, it was so wonderful to be able to, again, teach different ways. She was already doing an amazing job, but like you mentioned about that self-care, like she was there all the time and was not taking care of herself. And I'm so grateful you brought that up because it is very common. You know, people are feeling torn in, you know, between being in different places at once and, and their self-care gets lower and lower on the list. Right. And it's their energy, their body needs the energy to be able to give to their loved one. And that was part of what my program, you know, did for this, this lady was, you know, I was able to go in and just give her permission you know, while I'm doing the one-to-one session with her loved one, gave her permission to just go and do some self-care, right? And knowing that I was there, she trusted me, she could just, you know, so there wasn't any shoulda, coulda, wouldas, like she, you know, we we created a, a, a really strong connection, she felt safe knowing what I was doing, and I gave, and I do this with, with everyone in my program, is give them updates, right? So even though they're not at the bedside, you know, I'm giving them updates afterwards, and so that they can still feel in control, but they're also doing a lot of self-care, self-nurturing, even if it was just going and getting a coffee or, or going outside for a walk, or if it, you know, the weather's nice, going and sleeping in the car for a bit. Sometimes yeah. they're just so exhausted, right? And it's giving them permission to just go and do some of that self-care. So that was a really, you know, and, and I could see her energy in her body, you know, because she started to put nutrition in. And, and take care of herself and get a little more rest. And, and so then she was able, and we did talk afterwards and she was so grateful for that because she didn't realize how she was just sort of wearing herself out, you, you know, and she was doing it from the best intention of love and being with, with her mom, but it was costing her. Yeah. And I love it. You talk about the family and their loved ones or unloved ones. You don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and Let's talk, and we're going to end the program on this, on, end the podcast on this. What about the person transitioning and people who could be transitioning now who are listening to this, who know that there's only a certain amount of time, you don't know what it is. What would you suggest? Because people get afraid. Sometimes the last minute they'll get someone like you, a hospice nurse or, or even a end of life doula. You do more than just 
just sit at their bedside. You help with the family. Can you talk about your program and like, what is an ideal time? Someone is in something, they may not even die. They can be in hospice and not even die. Yes. So what would you suggest to people? Because it's, you know, people know you're born and you die. And sometimes people don't want to acknowledge that. Yes. Yes, very much. And that's that pain point, right? It's like, I don't want to acknowledge or acknowledge their own mortality, right? So they just want to avoid that. Yeah, Um, and they think it's going to be a terrible experience. And your thing is like, it doesn't have to be. It could be sacred. It's like, even when my animals died, I was there with them looking at their eyes as they transitioned out. And I got to go through it and be their advocate. If I didn't do that, I don't know what I would have done. But it's for you, even if you are the one going through it, and if the family members are listening, just know it's an important, sacred part. It's horrible. And it's sacred at the same time. That's where the mixed emotions come in. Know you're going to have them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a, a, a great point too, is, is where do we learn about death? Like so many people avoid talking about death or don't have their own personal experiences. Often they learn from TV and TV is not a true representation of how beautiful a transition can be right? It doesn't have to be painful and difficult and hard. There, It can be designed to be easy. And that's what my program does is that we design it together collaboratively. You know, I do a really detailed health history to learn, you know, the uniqueness of, of that individual and then design it, you know, through doing body work. So that'd be massage, reflexology, or doing energy work, such as Reiki. A lot of people are familiar with that that term Reiki. And again, it's just energy moving and supporting the energy to create that calmness and ease. So yes, there's so much that can be done that it- and you can learn so much towards the end of your life. Oh my and as a family member, people ask, one of my guests asked, tell us about grief. Is there anything we could do to not have that incomplete unresolved stuff? Lots. That's why when you go to their program, it's just not about the loss that you want to concentrate on or a few losses you want to concentrate on through different um, times, but you do it so you can live your relationships more fully, more in your heart. And then you learn about yourself and this journey from within Yes, and have non-judgment. I was saying my last podcast, I'm in this positive intelligence program, talks about the saboteurs in life and how you can get to your sage, which is a loving, non-judgmental. We all judge, but I'm talking about stuff that sabotages your life. And it's just so beautiful. I was amazed how much I judge on myself, others, and circumstances. I'm like, ugh, I realized how sabotaging it can be. So I'm, you know, we're here Live your life to the fullest till the very end. And I'm so happy you came on board. Thank you. On our podcast. Can I leave people with one? one, It's it's a forgiveness prayer. It's a Hawaiian forgiveness prayer. You may have already heard it, Charlene. But just to share this with people, you know, I, I also offer doing the forgiveness letter and sort of guide people through that. But this one is a really, it's anyone can use this. Anyone can use this. And it's. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. And I have found this to be really powerful, not just only to for using it for others, because when we're forgiving, it's really about freeing ourselves, right? And so it's this is just a beautiful one. And I've included it, you know, you're talking about self. And it's like 
wow, how it just shifts out of that perfection, that self-judgment by saying it to yourself, right? Yes. Right. It's, it's just, yeah. So I invite people to play with that one. And And it's simple. Let's repeat it. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I love you. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. And some people might go, I don't love you. Like, I'm so angry at you. I don't love you. And and that's okay. That's okay. You're just, this is about freeing you. Right? Yes. It's, it's not condoning the things that you need to forgive about. Forgiveness is not condoning. Right. You right. do it for yourself. Exactly. Exactly. So it's just amazing even in saying that over you know you're just kind of the intent sending it to them it's amazing how it can just shift the energy without even the other person realizing it just because one person chose to say it to themselves and and to them right it changes the dynamic it changes the energy so again it's just a quick tool that people can play with and and explore and notice what comes up for them yes and you can experiment people if you have a big resentment with someone that you want them out of your life. I'm not saying they have to be in your life, but just write this down, what we said, try it. And do, I believe in contrary action. You'll be amazed when you do contrary action. You could do it at your home. You don't tell the person or anything. Just do it and let us know how it goes. And just be patient. Don't have any expectations. Just say it, even if you have to say it a lot. And do it in anger, And if you've got to do it in anger, try saying it repeatedly and see if anything shifts in you, right? Exactly. (laughs) Well, thank you for being on the show, Christine. I think you're just awesome. Thank you so much, Charlene. And again, thanks for all the listeners and for showing up. And I look forward, again, if you have any questions, like Charlene said, please feel free to reach out to, to either of us. We're here for you. That's right. Okay, everybody. Till next time, we love and appreciate you and make it a great day. We'll see you next time. And if you can't, you know, reach out to someone, reach out to us. There's so many things that you could do for yourself. We're excited for you. Okay. Bye. Peace. Thank you for joining our Grief Recovery Now journey. Like what you heard? It would be the biggest compliment to our mission if you would please subscribe, rate, and review Grief Recovery Now on Apple Podcasts. And we'll keep you posted on our next podcasts. If you don't have Apple, we are also on Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Also, please join our private Facebook group, Grief Recovery Now. And if you are in need of any personal attention, please contact me with the link on this podcast page, which is griefrecoverymethod.com forward slash G-R-M-S forward slash Charlene dash Gorzella. It would be an honor to hear from you.